Family Karma Cast. Hi, Indra. <laughs> Hi, Deanna. Um, we have a great episode today. We do. And I said that um, I wanted to tell you about my dream last night. It was very interesting. I've never dreamt yes, about do the dream. doing the podcast. Um, I've never dreamt about it. Uh-huh. But last night, I dreamt that I was in India. Oh my and God, okay. I, for some reason, was recording with you via like video, like how we do it now. Yeah. And it was a stress dream because like, I didn't have anything set up, like none <laughs> yeah. of the recording stuff. And you were you were speaking Hindi. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, this is so wild. Like Indra's speaking Hindi. <sighs> I'm not set up. I'm not recording. And the interview is just like going on and on. And I I don't know why I dreamt that, but I just wanted to share it on air. Have you well, had a, a recording? Because you do, you and I both do radio shows too. So have you ever had like a recording? Oh, yes. I've had like, you know, I don't know that I've had any about the podcast either, but definitely I've had dreams where I'm like having to do something at the radio station yeah. and like nothing is working and like you try everything totally. and nothing works and like those types of stress dreams are really terrible so I'm sorry that happened no it was it was just like I woke up and it was amusing I think like the interesting (laughs) thing is I'll just add to your dream is like when you do radio like the Mm. the the most like stressful part you and I always talk about is the like three minutes before you're supposed to be live yes yeah and it's indescribable and I felt like I remember I thought I was the only one who felt it. And no. then I saw you like because we were doing a show together and I was yeah. like, OK, I feel like I'm like not alone in this. Yeah, because you want to make sure everything's set. Like, I feel like I'm always worried that when I hit play, yeah. it's not going to actually turn on and then there's going to be dead air and then all the stuff like the radio station that I work at and Deanna volunteers at is a community radio station. So um, we do like a lot of radio you hear these days. Most of it is like pre-recorded, but um, we're live. Yeah. <laughs> so if shit goes wrong, like that's it, you know. Yeah. But you know, on here we can edit stuff out, but yes. we rarely do. I mean, mm-hmm. really, it's just us. Um, and I am like, like I said, um, I just loved our interview this week yes. with Radha Patel from the matchmaking service, single to Shadhi. Um. She specializes in matchmaking for South Asians living in the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, she tells us all about how she conceived of the business. And just like we talk relationships in general. And it was just a really lovely conversation. She is like a very um, lovely person. Yeah. And I think, you know, what what, um, inspired it, like for me, is um, the phenomenon that was Indian matchmaking on Netflix. Um, I think that that show was very interesting. It came in at an interesting time because it it was like COVID. I feel like COVID just started and we started uh, quarantining from each other. And so, you know, people were binging things. And that was one of my first binges Mm -hmm. during quarantine. And I was so absorbed with the process and fascinated by the different elements like astrology the face what was I always get (laughs) the face reader the face reader what he was just like a straight up face yeah and 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 even like the indifference of some of the people um mostly the males of finding a mate and how driven uh the aunties were and their moms were to um find a match for them and so that was for me like my first introduction to kind of the matchmaking the South Asian matchmaking matchmaking world yeah yeah and like it's interesting to kind of get Radha's perspective because she started this company before that show came out and so she has kind of an interesting perspective on the show and then I just was like I'm really glad her service exists because Mm -hmm. even though like I'm not looking to use it um, I am sure I don't know I just feel like she cultivates a very safe space for the people who work with her and um, you'll learn all about that in this interview and we also talk about her read on some of the couples from Family Mm -hmm. Karma she's a huge Family Karma fan which is awesome and um, yeah it's just a really great 
interview. So we hope you enjoy it. Um, in the coming weeks, like this is holiday time. So um, we are going to do an episode next week. We're going to do our little like South Asian holiday um uh, not gift guide, but like TV and film guide. Cause I know this time of year, like I, one of my favorite things about like the holidays is like curling up and like watching a movie, right? Or, like with family or on my own, but usually with family, that's kind of nice if you're able to do that this year. So we'll do that next week. And then I'm really excited. We're talking to Wahajath Ali, who um, wrote this really fan- fabulous op ed in the New York. York Times a few days ago called How to Teach a Little Girl to Love Her Brown Skin. And um, so we'll he'll be on the podcast um, the following week. Yeah, we're really excited. And um, we hope you join us on Patreon. Yeah. Um, Patreon.com slash Family Karma Cast with a K. Um, it's just one dollar a month and you get four extra episodes and it's spanning we talk about pop culture and everything going on at bravo and we <laughs> and there's a lot <laughs> and there is a lot you know um OC Real Housewives of Orange County starts December 2nd. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that. The countdown starts and yeah, I'm just really excited. I'm reading Dave Quinn's Housewives book and I was telling Indra that, you know, I'm not a sports person and I hear hear people talking about like 30 for 30. Have you heard of that show? Like never have watched it. I think it's on ESPN. Um, It's about like the history of different people in sports. It's not for me. And everyone's like, you got to check it out, even if you're not into sports. And I'm always thinking like, I don't have time and it's not for me. Yeah. I feel like this is our 30 for 30. You know (laughs) what I mean? It's like you're getting the history you're getting. It's there's nothing like an oral history to me. Yes. And, and you're hearing from all the characters. and um, How do you like it? It's very interesting. We'll talk about it more on Thirsty 30 We're going to talk it on Thirsty 30. So join us for that. If you just want to support the podcast, yes. you know, even if you don't want to listen to the episodes, please join us there. And another fabulous way to p- support us is to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. We are like, <laughs> we've been saying this for so long, but like, I think we have 97 reviews now. Mm. We need three more. I just want to hit 100. I don't yeah. know why I want that, but I just I feel like it'll make it'll make a difference. There's yes. something about that like thresholds yes. going from double digits to triple digits. Yes. I mean, I, I right? even like want 10,000 followers on uh Instagram. Oh, on Instagram. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We're we're marching up there. Um yeah. That's pretty much it for this week. Um, Please enjoy this interview with Radha Patel from the matchmaking service, Single to Shadi. I am so excited to meet you, ladies. You have no idea. I fangirl. Oh, that's so nice. Yes, I've been listening to you oh since my, day one. Are you I'm serious? not a Patreon member, though. That's like amazing. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Well, because I'm obsessed with the show. And so I listen to like all the podcasts, but you guys are the only ones that, one, resonate with me. And yeah. two, I think have lasted the longest or been sanctioned yeah, the most officially. Yeah. yeah. So. so we were talking about. I think I got in contact with you like a long time ago. And then, of course, I don't know how to like sort DMs on Instagram. So I just lose shit all the time. And then I go back and try to find stuff. Yeah. So we reconnected and um, you have this company called Single to Shadi, which is such a great name <laughs> um a, a little turn off of shadi.com which anyone who's daisy who's listening so deanna shadi means wedding in wow. hindi and shadi.com is like the indian version of like j date or like Mesh. you know christian oh. mingle yes <laughs> but it's like for brown brown people um So we, I'm just so curious to hear about how you started this business and after the craze that was Indian matchmaking last year. And, you know, I've always kind of known about it, but I think that show kind of brought it to light even more for me and then, you know, for non-brown audiences as well. Mm -hmm. So we just want to hear about like, 
your journey towards starting this company. Absolutely. Uh, it's interesting you bring up Shanti.com because literally pretty much after we launched, they sent us a cease and desist. And my first <gasps> kind of like legal thing, I had to hire a lawyer and like respond oh to that. Oh my them. gosh. Yeah. Um, but uh, so basically I started back in 2018 after hearing from, you know, my single friends and family in my life who were like, Rada, you're so well connected. You know, they see people we are looking to date or get back in the community. And I'm married, I have kids, I've never used a dating app in my life and was like, mm -hmm. I thought the dating apps were supposed to be the end all be all. Like we don't need aunties anymore because you guys were all gonna find your own <laughs> yeah. partners. But as you guys know, with modern dating, there's still obviously a lot of complications and nuances that come along with that. And I kept hearing from my friends who are like, we want a better way to meet people, we want a better way. And so I love meeting people, as you can tell, just from my interactions with you ladies. Yeah. I love connecting. And I love everything that has to do with the Indian diaspora. Um, I'm first generation, so I was born and raised here. And I just felt that it was a way to connect to my roots my whole life. Um, so fast forward to 2018, I said, you know what? I'm going to kind of focus on matching my friends and pulled out a Google spreadsheet and just started putting it on paper. <laughs> Realize that one, it's very complicated. People want a <laughs> variety of different yeah. things in a partner. Um, and two, my network just wasn't big enough. I had to expand and I had to grow. And so that's basically the impetus of how I started Single to Shadi. Um, fast forward three years, we, I have a, an official W2 employee and two other women that work with me as contractors, and we have over 700 active clients. So I'm very proud of Oh this my, wow. What? So, and are they all located in the U.S.? 100% United States and Canada. We work with North America okay. collectively. Mm -hmm. But yes, 100%. Yeah, because there's a lot of Indians up in Toronto and all that. I have a question. What are the top theory characteristics that most people want in a partner? You know, I think that it depends if you're looking for a man versus a uh, woman. Um, female seeking males typically want somebody who's educated, settled in their career, mm -hmm. is an adult, has got his shit together, can be independent, <laughs> kind of mm -hmm. like those. And for men, it's the opposite. I think that they see like they want to make sure that a woman isn't um, looking to be a housewife which is so interesting to me. interesting yeah that it comes up so often they're like i want a woman who has her own career i don't care what she does mm -hmm. she just has to be working because i want to be in the two-income household and for me i'm like the fact that this kept coming up was like news to me because mm -hmm. i didn't think it was like an issue per se but I guess it's out there in modern dating that there's women out there who are just looking for marrying a doctor or marrying the next tech CEO. And that's kind of like the lifestyle that they're envisioning for themselves. And I guess these apps make it easier to go out and find the type of person you're looking for. So it's interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, I'm very surprised to hear that men looking for women, like that's a criteria mm -hmm. thing. But like that's a good thing i think you know that it shows that they're empowered. i don't know they, they believe in right. women's empowerment they want that you know two household two income household where both of them are contributing together um and we do ask about that when we get into the interview it's kind of like where you guys yeah. see yourselves post-marriage and I, yeah. I found it was very interesting that both men and women align on that fact that they want to be in an equal household where both mm. people are contributing to household finances, children, everything together. Right. And I'm wondering, just because I've learned about um, through this process of being doing this podcast about, quote unquote, traditional South, uh, South Asian traditions and, you know, values which some of them are, um, you know, progress, but um, how much do you ever get like an auntie or a mom or a dad saying, we actually want the wife to stay home versus, you know, the individual being like, no, I want her, the wife to be in the workforce or whatever. Do you ever get like that kind of difference of opinion? Well, Deanna, I'm so glad you asked that because our tagline is we are not your parents matchmaker. So we do not oh, work with aunties. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because, you know, there's this dichotomy between these first generation people who were raised right. in America, what we want in a partner versus what mm -hmm. our families want with us. I'm not saying that we cut out the families altogether. No, no, it doesn't sound like that. Yeah, but we only work with that single individual to understand really what's motivating them, what their preferences are, and what they're looking for. And if your family's input about wanting a stay-at-home wife or mm -hmm. somebody's going to contribute, if that's a priority for you because it's for you, 
we'll work with that. But I, I'm not yeah. going to get dictated by an auntie saying, well, I want a daughter-in-law right. who's going to stay home. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, I feel like I still see, and it's not in the Brown community, mm. just like on TV, like these shows about lives and things like that, or even like House Hunters or something where a couple's talking about what they want. And like, I still see so many men who are like, well, she needs to be home with the kids. Mm. Like she needs to be taking care of that and blah, blah, blah. So it's like really refreshing to see like brown men being like, let's move beyond that. Like I'm actively looking for not that, which is, I love that. And I think too, a big change that I've seen even from my generation when we were having kids is that more people are open to outside help. They're open to hiring Mm. nannies, getting old pairs, putting, you know, kids in daycare. Whereas, you know, 10, 15 years ago when I had children, my mom was like, you're going to put them in daycare? Oh my God, they're going to lose all their identity. They're going to be completely Americanized. Like, you know. Yeah. My mom said that like this is like my son is two years old and like in the after, you know, I'm work and yeah. so like I was gonna send him to daycare at like four months old and she was like, Oh, he should really be home the first <laughs> year and I'm like why like he needs to be socializing right. like I think this is a good thing for all of us for him to be like around other kids right. and not just like home with us like half paying attention to him you know it's like I was like surprised that my mom said that but then I shouldn't be because I like think of her as being more progressive but then it's like oh but she also stayed home with me and my brothers so that's what she knows right. so yeah um have you ever worked with any um same-sex couples uh, yes yeah, so actually that was one of my big things too when I started is that I knew I wanted to be inclusive for all mm-hmm. sexual identity gender orientations and we were actually the first even before the South Asian apps those big ones came out taking on um non-binary clients so yes, I do work with South Asian couples that identify as queer um, or same sex. Um, haven't really had much success in that space because we're still building out that niche. But absolutely. Yeah, I just think it's just interesting. Um, you know, growing up, I feel like as females, like you hear of like your girlfriends so rigid in what they want. Do you all agree? And mm-hmm. when are you just and how do you approach someone? And if you do say you kind of got to be malleable malleable with certain characteristics that you're looking for in a partner and especially I'll just refer to Indian matchmaker is we saw that on um, that show of just you know I think as little girls we're supposed to think about our wedding and who we want to be with and you know we we are getting the Ken and we're getting the Barbie of and and I'm just wondering like how how do you talk to people because I could imagine that you're you're also like a therapist to yeah. people. And, and if you could just touch <laughs> yeah. upon, I, that was a long question, but kind of what I just asked. So what I do is during the interview process, you know, you get those type A people who are like, can you send yes. me the questions ahead of time? I want to be prepared. Mm. Or they come with their piece of paper with, you know, all the yes. different aspect checklists. I let them download. You give me everything. I mean, I obviously navigate them through the sections I want, but we go through everything. I let them talk. At the end, I ask them, pretend I bumped into you at a Starbucks and was like, hey, I have somebody I could set you up with. What are you looking for? And what they tell me in that last 15, 30 seconds is the most important to them, right? All that other stuff goes away. I want to make sure he's six figures or he went to this school. All of that goes away. And it boils it down to those key qualities that they're really are truly looking for. So that's one way I combat that checklist. I think the second list with that malleable or Freudian slip of marriable that you put in there, Deanna, is I ask them, I throw that back to them as like, are you really in tune with what you're looking for, who you are, where you've gotten to and what you view for your future? Because I take them through that in the questionnaire process. I think that Mm. so much of the matching is stuck with like immediately get to marriage, but then you have to live 40 years with this person if we're Mm -hmm. lucky, right? Like, <laughs> what happens after marriage? Then comes mortgage, ups and downs. So I kind of lead them through just that discussion exercise to get them thinking. And so many people are like, I don't know how I want to parent with my partner, or I don't know where I want to live in 20 years when my kids are out of college and it's just me and my husband. Like, so kind of challenging them or introducing these ideas to them as a way to start thinking, you know, past the marriage or past the month up. Um, and then lastly, I loved your idea, your question about, um, 
I lost it. Being a therapist? Oh, yes. yes. (laughs) So identifying patterns. um, Because when we do the interview, I then after, you know, we go through who you are, what you're looking for. I ask them to take me through some of the more significant experiences that they've had, whether it be a long-term relationship, a short-term relationship, or just something that sticks out. And then we try to pick out trends or patterns that are happening. Mm. There's only so much I can address in an onboarding interview, right. but I kind of like, it's eye-opening. You'll see when the person will be like, oh, but she was like that. And then my past girlfriend was also like that. And it's like, wow, right. you see that light bulb come off. And I have a great resource. I've got lots of coaches that we work with, South Asian, non-South Asian, to help kind of like, if they want to break down those uh, kind of barriers or, or those tropes that they're involved in, we've got good resources to help. Have you ever come across someone who it's like, actually, no, we can't work together? Ooh, I was thinking that too. Yes, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's matchmaking for matchmakers too. I right? said so not all of my clients would be a good fit for what we're, what we're yeah. trying to do. The easiest yeah. is people who don't live in the U.S. or people whose parents are contacting yeah. me. That's the easiest right. for me to be like, I'm sorry, this is not how we work. It gets harder when I actually interview them. And it's like, um, you know, um, somebody who hasn't done the work on themselves or is just doing mm. it to make their parents happy. And I unfortunately right. have to yeah. turn them on. Yeah, I have to turn them away and say, you know, here's some resources for you. Let's touch base in three months and see if you're in a in a different place or you've gotten uh, a better understanding of what you're looking for and then come back. I'm not going to say no outright, but I just don't think you'd be a good fit at this time to pursue a serious relationship. And do you work with people that are um, in their second go around with dating and marriage and stuff like that, like divorced? And do they talk about um is there any stigma just like coming from a white perspective of being a divorced uh, South Asian American in society right now? Unfortunately, yeah, that stigma it is kind of ingrained in the culture. We are all actively doing education around it, talking about it mm-hmm. as a community, but it's still there. Um, one of the things that I've done to combat this is launch a special track just for people who are looking to get married for a second mm-hmm. time, for a second time shabby, because nobody, oh. <laughs> nobody's focusing on that segment. And in, you know, this day and age when we are being more empowered to be true to who we are, yeah. not put up with shitty situations that are, are bad for us, bad for our families, we're seeing this new kind of subset coming out of people who are like, in their mid thirties or late thirties, maybe have children, maybe don't, and are looking for that next best relationship for them and where they are in their lives. And so I want to be there. I want to be there to help you find that and be a part of that journey as well. And at least kind of erase some of that stigma, even if we're not um, as successful as we are with our first time marriages, I want to be able to put that out there and help change the conversation. That is so important because it's like that stigma is so real. My oldest brother in the past couple years went through a divorce and the whole process was like really traumatic for like our whole family you know, is like oh my god like how is this happening to us and like it took my mom like almost two years to even tell like it's her cousin her first cousin but they grew up in the same house in India so they're like sisters and they tell each other everything it took her like two years to mm. tell her like what happened which is like you know it's like and so Like my brother, I think still in some ways is going through a lot of like, I won't speak for him, but I just I wonder what he's going through. And, you know, he has found another partner, which is great. But like, if you haven't, like, it's got to be scary going back into it. And like having someone like you who's in the South Asian community who like understands it and kind of like navigate can navigate like the South Asian American experience, which is very particular. It's like you're into worlds and how do you navigate it? And sometimes the only people who get you are those who are also in that place. Mm. And being able to code switch in a way, right? Like know how to talk to the older generation and act as a in between. I get aunties calling me all the time. Like, can you talk to my son? Can you talk to my daughter? not being serious so being able to connect with them while also understanding why their children are not in the same place as they are Um, and i'm not saying that these two are the same but like with lgbtqia and then with our our second time shadi it's it's all about kind of changing the narrative re-educating our our community and so I feel that it's very important for us to embrace not only our culture, but who we are as individuals and celebrating that across 
our, our families and cultures and communities. And what's the point of being in this country if we can't evolve and progress and be better? Right. You know? Yeah, I totally. was wondering what the youngest person who has ever contacted you. 19. <laughs> <gasps> what did wow. you and, and, and what what was that process like? Did you work with them or like how did they approach you? So they approached me via, uh, you know, email or inquiry from the website. Yeah. Was like, you know, I'm, I love what you're doing. I'm interested in getting set up. I'm just starting in the dating process. And so I reached out to them and said, that's wonderful. Uh, you know, I'm here for you if you need anything. But we take a minimum um, at, at 25. It's our lowest age bracket. Is wow, good. Because I do believe in casual dating. I do believe yeah. in getting out there, figuring out what you like, what you don't like. You're still establishing your career career, who you are as a person. Yes. Um, and you can be serious in your dating outlook, but date, be there, be, meet people and just get that experience under your belt. And then when you're ready, we'll be here for you. Yeah, that's, that's great. I actually, it's so funny. I like when I think back, I'm like, Oh, I met Patrick and I was like, I think I was 22. <laughs> and like, we're still together, which is great. But like, we did have like, a moment around I think I was 27 or 28 where we like we separated for a little while and it was like I think that was a result of us like being like okay we've been together for mm -hmm. five years but like is this am I really choosing this relationship or like what's going on like you know how do I figure this out and um I do think that like I mean it happens differently for everyone but I think that's really smart. Like I always say to people, I think I said this to you, Deanna, before you started grad school, like the later you go to grad school, like the better because you just know yourself more and you know what you want and mm -hmm. you can like really get what you want out of it. Like remember when I was in grad school, like there were people who were right out of college yeah. and it was like they had no idea why were they were there yeah, really exactly. you know? I dropped out of the first year of law school because I went right from undergrad. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was what I had to do. I had to be doctor, lawyer, engineer. And I hated it. Yes. I was 22 years old in New York yes. City. I don't want to go to law school. I dropped out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. Good for you, because that's hard to do. Yeah. That's hard to do. How did so your, what, how did yeah, your parents respond to that? I was, I'm just curious. It was as expected. Lots of crying, <laughs> lots of drama. But, you yeah. know, that's uh, in the past. So we're in a Yeah, place. yeah. I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. But and have you past. taken any lessons from, like, your own relationship I'm sure you have in terms of like how you work with others like do you feel like without that you could even do this work I think no I don't think without my own experience I could do this work 100% yeah. Indra but for me when I was setting everything up like uh, kind of like my rules or my ethics and all around single to shabby it was based on what I was looking for when I was looking for a partner when I met my husband um, yes. I think what's really eye-opening to me is in the three years that I've been doing this how much I am now able to kind of decipher what I was doing or thinking. And, and what I mean by that is the word manifest. Now I have yeah. the words to understand that that's what I did back then is that <laughs> I manifested what I wanted and I went out and I got it. And so I love that I'm able to analyze my experience personally through the lens of what my clients are teaching me yeah and you said about like i'm just curious about like you know people come in six figures like i need to find someone with six figures do people like tell you they want someone with like an exorbitant uh salary and do you talk to them about that? And how do you talk to them about that? I've never gotten anything crazy ridiculous or like I want uh -huh. half a million or anything. Um, <laughs> but, and that's probably because, you know, we are a more affordable midpoint matchmaker. And so I think people who are coming from family backgrounds where they're looking for certain yeah. status levels are going to go with the SEMA aunties of the world. And that's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but for me when there are crazy expectations around that right we've got a guy who's six foot three and you know yeah. works, has a, is an eight pack and all that um <laughs> again i'm not in the therapist space i have lots of coaches i do refer them to but um i will challenge them right when they're sending to me and saying brother i've been with your service for six months we're just not finding the right guy and then i'll be like okay we tried it your way let's talk about some things that maybe aren't quite as crucial to your future uh, success as a family or in a relationship. And let's see what places that we can compromise, but in a good way. I don't want to see my mm -hmm. compromise is bad, but yeah. this can be good compromise. Yeah. And like relationships are so, it's so funny. Like 
I don't know. For me anyway, it's like people have surprised me in romantic situations where it's like, oh, I didn't think I was into that or mm-hmm. whatever. And then it's like, oh, well, there's a surprising quality that like I didn't even know I wanted. And that's so important. I think the starting at age 25 is to like figure out what those things are yeah. too. Well, and Deanna, to your point, if you flip that around, I also have people who are like wide open introduce me to anybody i don't care who they are i love that Mm. i kind of love that but But then we i I thought the same thing i'm like oh that's wonderful i can introduce to anybody but then on the flip side is they've been with my service as this one person i'm thinking of over two years and they'll say yes to whoever i introduce them to they'll pay the fee but then it's like are we actually honing in on the right criteria Mm -hmm. are you now serious or is this you just want me to help you find your next date so it can it can go either way like finding the true motivation and that balance I think mm-hmm. is the beauty of working with the matchmakers because I get to know you. I have a relationship yeah. with you that's not going to be in um, an app space. And if you look at some of the more traditional matchmakers who are charging larger fees, they have contract periods. I do not. So I can work with you on your journey. If you're wow. like, I need to take a six month break, rather, that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Once you're registered with us, you're registered with us. And I'll work with you no matter where you are in your journey. Yeah. Wow. And so you have like 700 people in your brain. (laughs) Do you have one of those like maps on your wall with like connected (laughs) dots and things? I have an amazing (laughs) CRM system, a great backend system. I've got a good team that helps me as well. Yes. So yeah. But there's times when you're like, how many Radha Patels can I remember? Right. There's like... (laughs) We yes. all have the same name. Like, it's so common a lot of times. <laughs> I think, um, so funny. Indra, if you don't mind me speaking for the both of us, the one yeah. thing that you and I were a little bit obsessed with in um, Indian matchmaking <laughs> is that guy who did the, the <laughs> he looks at the picture. What is that called? The face reading. The, the face, face reader. reading. Do you work with a face reader? <laughs> what about an astrologist? Or I don't think astrologist is the right term. Astrologer. Yeah, astrologer. Okay. How important is astrology in what you do? Or do people ask for that? And do people ask for that? <laughs> so oh, I wow. am not a big believer in astrology. Astrology, like growing up, I'd read my horoscope, or like I knew. Yes, what I of course. I was never that into it. And for South Asians, um, not just Hindu South Asians, I found other South Asian religions mm-hmm. that as well. It is important astrology and. So for me, I kept getting asked it. You know, my clients kept asking about it. So we introduced a side service that is not tied into matching. But if you're interested in finding out what signs I'm compatible with, or let's say you've been dating a guy and you want to see kind of how your charts align, we can help you with all of that. Um, okay. But I will not match based on horoscope. I know people mm. ask for it. What I do with my clients who ask for that situation is they'll pay that one time kind of just to get the reading of the person I match with, match them with, and then they make the decision. But I will not use that as a factor. Same with like cast and all of that. I do not use that Mm, in matching criteria. I didn't even think about that. I don't believe in it. And so I'm not going to put something I don't believe in out there. Good. Yeah, that's. That's like the cast stuff. Like my mom talks about cast a lot still. Still. And I'm like, oh yeah. I mean, she'll be like, oh, so-and-so is a Brahmin or so-and-so is this. And like, and then in the same breath, she'll be like, and it's awful that people, you know, the untouchables and things like this, this is so awful and whatever. And yet she's still kind of bound to it, which is, you know, this complicated thing with how she grew up and whatever. So I give her some grace in that place. But that's really... um along with cast and like the whole colorism thing you know I think it was in meet the Patels where they were showing the bio data pages and like skin color was like weedish or like dark weed <laughs> it's like I'm assuming you don't really go there with any of that not at all so what we do when we get to the physical section is I ask very open-ended questions because I don't okay. want to, to be leading even around yeah. body you know physical uh, appearance I, I ask them like what body type do you prefer? I don't kind of put it out there. Um, I don't ask about skin color or anything like that. But there are people who will volunteer it. And I was, okay. you know, there's people who think that, oh, I don't want to be too picky. But I always relate appearance to like an evolutionary attraction thing. We are animals at the end of the day. And if you're not we attracted are. to a partner, there's, yeah. um, there's no amount of forcing you or like personality that's going to make up for it. And that's fair. That's fine. Um, it's funny that you mentioned Meet the Patels because you guys know I was actually in that movie. <gasps> You what? In the speed dating scene. 
when Robbie oh. goes to the convention. That is the exact convention that I met my husband at. What? No, you're joking. I'll send you a screenshot, but I'm in the background for like 0.02 seconds. <gasps> was wow. it during the speed dating part that you met him? Absolutely not. He was there to okay. re- <laughs> as part of the convention. He skipped out on all the like the events, but we met in the evening at like an after party. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. I love that. So like you were, so you have personal kind of experience with sort of like maybe wanting to go through that process and then kind of organically meeting your husband. My auntie had signed me up on shadi.com. That's another kind of trope in our culture. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've been through the whole gamut. I've been introduced to a guy who my mom was like, why aren't you trying hard enough to find out that he had a girlfriend but I look like the one who wasn't, you know, trying hard enough. And so just, I've, I've lived through all of these experiences, yes. which is why I'm able to kind of understand where my clients are coming from. Yeah. I mean, I wonder if there's any like brown South Asian American woman in their, like by their mid twenties who hasn't had some sort of run in with like something like this. I mean, it's like after I had been with Patrick for two years like we were clear, like we're in a relationship. Like I have a cousin trying to set me up with her brown friend. I'm like, we, w- like we've hung out, like <laughs> we've gone out to dinner, like double date. Like what is going on yeah. here? You know, it's you so met him. You told me you liked him. What's happening? Yeah, like- I know. It's like, oh my god. Yeah. Okay, so you have been doing this for three years. So when Indian matchmaking came out, like you must have had such a unique perspective watching that show. Like what jumped out to you negative and positive about the show? Well, I know you guys had the the creator, um, the story writer on the show on your podcast before. I'd actually watched her documentary about Seema Auntie, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was doing my research on starting. So I kind of, I approached it from a, hey, this is reality TV. They need a villain. She's got some good one-liners and that's the Mm -hmm. way they presented it. Um, She played into those tropes as well. Like the first episode was slim, trim, and fair or whatever. But I kind of gave her the grace, like you said, Indra, because her community where she came from, that is what her clients were asking about and looking for. And it's like they picked her up and dropped her in America and was like, replicate your magic here. And that's not going to work. Yeah. And so for me, I figured, you know, one, give her a little bit of grace in that aspect. And you can see the way that the show kind of pulled out other villains like Aparna and other people who, again, it was just to make the show a success. And we know how reality TV kind of plays into that. Um, Some of the negatives, I think, was that I don't think Simanti took the time to get to know her clients in America. And for me, I'm like, okay, you get that there's a there's a difference, a culture shift. She should have changed her practices a little bit mm-hmm. to conform. Um, so that was kind of the negative. I think a positive is just selfishly, it brought a whole new awareness <laughs> to matchmaking yes. in this mm-hmm. country. Um, and so I'm with the, I, I am in an industry group with a bunch of matchmakers, both South Asian, Caucasian, everything. And they all, we all talk about how much this show has boosted our business because now everybody's yeah. Googling matchmakers right. in my city. Um, and so for that, that's definitely a positive. I think too, I'm excited to see, um, that first cohort of people coming out and doing their next initiative in life. So, um, mostly the females, I would say, so like Aparna, um, and Nadia, like everybody's just doing, like killing it in their game. So I'm so happy that this platform, this show gave them a platform to showcase how amazing they are as individuals outside mm-hmm. of getting married like that should not define who you are as a person no so. and i mean the the success rate was like pretty low yes <laughs> but it was so interesting and i'm glad that it brought like positivity to the matchmaking process and not like a oh what i was worried watching it as a brown woman was like people are gonna see this as like oh look at this backwards culture Mm. doing these things like judging people like so superficially using a face reader and all this stuff you know like i'm it's nice to know that people were kind of like okay like actually, there's some value to this and what an interesting proposition. And you know why? I think it's because with the dominance of the apps for the last decade or so, Mm. I think people reacted with that personalization. They were like, wow, she got it wrong, but at least she listened or, you know, somebody's (laughs) trying to to find what I'm looking for. I wonder, I mean, Seema Auntie was like, she's such a good, like, TV character. Mm -hmm. Like, she was so great. But I, I remember and like, 
I'm like, if I were looking, if she was my matchmaker, I probably would have fired her. <laughs> like, because she didn't listen. Like, I would want right. someone to like really l- learn who I was. Well, and, and that like, was, if you don't mind me, uh, I have an ex question that has to do with that. Do you get people that are like, this matchmaker didn't work for me, and you're my second matchmaker? Oh, yeah. So I get people who sign up with the bigger ones, uh, or they'll sign up with a, an American matchmaker hoping to find, you know, in their database. And the, what happens is they pay a lot of money, the contract runs out, they met some people, nothing really clicked, and then they come to me and they're like, this is so refreshing. Like, I'm more inclined to give your matches a try yeah. because I know that you and I are going to continue to touch base. And if it doesn't work out, you're going to give me some feedback. And it's a much more approachable price point that people are willing to take chances on my suggestions. Right. More so than sticking to their rigid, well, no, no, I asked you to find this. That's why I'm paying you. Go find it. Yeah. Um, what was the fastest match that you've mm. made? Probably like day one. There's a client <gasps> wow. that during the interview, the entire time she's telling me her answers, I'm like, I have this person in mind for you. I have this person in mind for you. And literally after we got off the call, I sent her her profile. She was interested, vice versa. And they connected within like two days of me taking her on as a client. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow. I love that, hearing that. So I think great. that's like what, one of the things for me is like, I know as I continue to grow and expand, I want to bring on new people, but I don't want to give up that meeting the person, meeting yeah. my client, because I know them inside and out from that conversation, not inside and out, but I right. know them pretty well. And so I think, um, part of like my issue with maybe scaling to be even bigger is how do I give up that connection? Piece? Yes. Yeah. And where are you based? I'm based out of Dallas, Texas, suburban Dallas. Okay. And so do you have a lot of clients and or like, I guess my question is around the long distance piece, because that was like kind of a big issue in Indian matchmaking. Like a lot of these people like lived across the world from mm-hmm. each other or like across the country. Do you try and match people within their area first or do you sometimes like oh but I know this person in New York is going to be great and like what are the logistics around Mm -hmm. all of that so I ask people kind of long term what is their outlook like do you see yourself being in New York City long term or do you see like I want to settle back where I grew up so kind of understand where they're looking for in the scheme of life I try to start matching locally. Uh, New York is hard though, because everybody's a transplant for the most part. Yeah. So um, if taking into their long-term considerations might be a little bit harder, but otherwise I like to start locally. But when the pandemic hit, it kind of threw a wrench mm. in things because everybody was either moving back home or finding, you know, moving out to the suburbs, buying their first places, putting down roots and their whole geographic outlook started shifting. Um, I had a cohort of people who were like, okay, I'm ready to meet people all over the world because I'm in Timbuktu, Oklahoma. I'm not going to meet somebody here. (laughs) Versus on the other side, like, well, I bought my first house, you know, um, in in rural Pennsylvania, and this is where I want to set down roots. So that kind of put it in flux. But overall, I think that the Desi community is more focused on some of those other criteria about maybe finding somebody who speaks the same family language as me or practices the same Mm. religious beliefs as me, that they're willing to forego location. I think that more as we're like my generation now has children who are setting down roots here, that that generation is probably going to be less flexible because now they have those roots. But for me, you know, I grew up in Maryland. I lived in Fort Lauderdale for a few years. I moved to Chicago after I met my husband. Now I'm in Dallas. I can live anywhere, right? If I was trying to meet somebody now, I I could meet somebody anywhere as long as those other criteria that was more important to me were still being met. That's so interesting. That's like a really good point that I think a lot of first generation South Asian Americans like you and I would relate to is like being okay with moving and like not being in the same place. Like it's an it's an interesting difference that I've seen between my family and let's say Patrick's family who you know they have roots in Vermont like everybody lives there like when Patrick made the decision to leave Vermont it was like this big deal and like you know in some ways he's still kind of combating that like literally the Mm. rest of his family is in Vermont and like but he wanted to like live abroad live in New York you know, he was open to moving out to Colorado with me and all these stuff. So it's like, but my family, it was like expected that I would not go to college in Boulder, that I would like go somewhere else and that I would like live in other places. And like the fact that my brothers both live on the East Coast and me and my parents are out here, like we just deal with it. You know, like it's not like a negative thing. And um, Deanna, like 
how is your family with that type of thing? Um, I think like just like the Italian roots are like everyone's in New York. You know yeah. what I mean? Like all my aunts and uncles, they're still there. I think I grew up in my family. Like I'm not close to my parents or whatever. So that's very different that I don't like. But it is very that East Coast, New York, you know, Manhattan, not Manhattan, but Long Island, you know, whatever. It's still just very ingrained East Coast, New York kind of thing. Did you do you feel any type of way about having left that and you know, and yeah, being out west. Yeah, I think west. the hard thing is, is like, I'm a New Yorker. You know, I, I'm very much like an Italian-American New Yorker, and I don't think that changes. And the thing that I miss and is that small, like, there is that small, like, community, like, Italian-American community. You know, yeah. you go to the church that your grandparents went to. I don't go to church, but you go to the Italian bakery. I mean, you you both lived on the East Coast and that's that sense of community. I mean, I'm in Denver right now. There's not an Italian American community that I feel like connected to. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? And um and I think that's also like the one of the greatest things about, you know, that East Coast thing is like you get those set pockets of you know, cultural communities that you can tap into and you feel a part of. Yeah. I don't know. Is that what you kind of asked? Yeah. I was just curious what your experience was in general. And I think it's hard because when you move your, when you have kids and you're out of those communities, Mm. I don't know how to make my kids feel more Italian American living outside of New York. And like, for me, it's like going, whether I realized it or not at the time, like you go to the Italian bakery or whatever and you or the pizza parlor and you feel that and and I know that they don't feel that right now what what do you all think about that I think yeah yeah go ahead brother. I was gonna say from the South Asian experience I'm seeing it more so now as I mentioned with people who are you know their siblings are getting married they're having Mm -hmm. kids and you know your parents live down the street they want to stay in that and and create that community luckily the immigration experience now is way different than it was for when your ancestors were coming here because when they came they had to congregate in both pockets and i think that south asians we had that in the 70s and 80s but now you see people coming over and we're in a a technology enabled world they can come anywhere find their own community or create a community You, you know you're enabled to create your own community now yeah and I think, you know, I was born in Ithaca and then we uh-huh. moved to Boulder. And in both places, my parents hooked into a South Asian community that was relatively small, but like mm. people found each other <laughs> the mm-hmm. way they needed to. And like, but I do think maybe with each generation that lives in this country, some of those things can weaken. And I worry about that also. You do, with my too, kids. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for that reason, I'm glad my parents live a mile away from us, mm-hmm. that we see them at least once a week. That, like, even things like I'm glad leave is like hearing an Indian accent like regularly yeah. in his life. And like that will be a part of his brain. And like, you know, just, um, you know, eating the food that my mom makes because I'm like never cook Indian food. Even though I should. <laughs> and, like, I mean, but these are things I feel guilty about. And it's like and I don't want to lose them. And right. like, Deanna, I'm hearing that from you, too. And it's like, you know. But also making a new norm. I don't know. It's interesting. It's like, and so I can see also like why people are coming to you, Radha, mm-hmm. in the like South Asian community to want to connect with other people right. in that same community. Do you hear from people a lot about like children and childbearing and how their decision to do this is affected or affects that? Absolutely. I hear, when we talk about kind of like those future state after marriage and mm-hmm. I ask about children, that's what a lot of people say is that I want to be able to pass on my culture and tradition. Yeah. I want my parents to be involved in their life because if I can't pass it on, they can get exposed to it through that. Yeah. So it is important um, for people who are thinking, um, but then there's also like the concept of the greater Indian culture. And I really appreciate seeing people who are like, I don't care what region of India they're from, or I don't care because mm-hmm. we're raising a, a global child. As long as they know that they're Indian of some sort, they uh, appreciate food, culture, language. They don't have to know it inside and out. And that's okay too. So like, as an example, with our children, they don't speak our language. You know, mm. uh, my husband and I speak in English all the time. And so <laughs> even with my in-laws or my parents, when they FaceTime, they're speaking in English too. So the language thing for me, is not so much uh, as important as I thought it was when I was younger, but it's more so like do you feel comfortable in your own skin because you see all of these other people in your life who are also comfortable in their skin yeah it's just i have a random question 
do you ever have someone outside of the South Asian community say, I want to find a South Asian man or woman? Can you hook me up with that? And oh, how do wow. you respond to that? Yeah, so I've only ever gotten inquiries from men who are I was assuming that. I was. Is that bad that I was assuming that? <laughs> so yeah. I have a standard kind of script that I ask them, like, you know, unfortunately, because you know, our clients are looking to meet other South Asians, it wouldn't be a good fit. However, there are so many other matchmakers out there that do have yeah. a, a more blended database. And there's other South Asians in that database who are open to meeting Caucasians. There's other ways you can yeah. meet them. I yes. don't want to get into a fetish world or enable any right. of that. Right. That's what I was wondering without asking that. Um, <laughs> is that okay to ask, Indra? Oh, well, it's a total thing, yeah. right? You know, yeah. the fetishization of Asian women yes. of all kinds is definitely like a thing. So I'm not surprised at all that you're fine or getting <laughs> inquiries around that. On the flip side, I have some of my clients, female clients, actually male and female, who are like, uh -huh. oh, we're open to dating any yes. background. And so mm. they'll, they'll say, do you have any Caucasians in your database? And then I have to explain to them, no, well, that's wonderful. You can, you know, that's what these apps are for, this and that. For us, uh -huh. our purposes, we're going to focus on South Asians. So I see it both right. ways. Totally. Totally. So you have a unique perspective because you're talking to people from like regions all over North America, mm. getting to know them. Like, I'm curious, are there like, is there something different about an Indian or a South Asian in the Pacific Northwest mm -hmm. versus one from like the South, like Atlanta or, or like area. a New York, you know, or, or New, New York, Jersey, yeah, like anywhere. Yeah. Probably just their lifestyle pace, right? Like when you're near Deanna, you know, you're a New Yorker. There's a certain yeah. type of tempo that you live your life by. Um, but then I see, uh, so I ask about, you know, besides just what's your dietary preferences, I ask about drinking and, and recreational marijuana, right? Because that's mm, the thing yeah, now and we totally. want to see. So you see a varied uh, spectrum of South Asians on like where they stand on the South legalization of marijuana. Um, and then I also find on, um, you know, we ask about political kind of background just to make sure yes. you're met. And so I don't know if I've analyzed it to the point geographically if there's a difference, but there's definitely a noticeable difference yeah. on, you know, like how your family grew up. Like if you grew up in a certain affluent way, if you grew up in a certain um, more, uh, bigger city, so you're exposed to more, it's going to dictate your preferences. That makes sense. Bit. That makes a lot of sense. Deanna, do you have a question? No, I no. I could see you like, no, I, I just like, <laughs> I just think it's interesting just even interviewing you. Like, you're just, you're very good listener. And I don't know, I, I just, I can see why you do what you do. You're very passionate about it. You're a good listener. You know, when you address Indra and I, you address us by our names. And I can see how your connection to people can make you good at what you do. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I love meeting people. That's like a passion of mine, just like you mentioned, you know, so this was a natural extension of my personality yeah, to get it. Totally. Absolutely. Thank you. Is there like a top three, like story of a matchmaking thing that happened that you're just like, wow, this is so, this was like just a great story mm. that you can share with us. I don't have a top three per se, but I'll give you some that stick out in my mind. One was our first kind of couple that decided to get introduced after the lockdown started back in 2020. And to see them quickly take on the idea of virtual dating, getting on FaceTime and Zoom when nobody was doing mm -hmm. that. Uh, and it lasted six months. You know, they would do things like to the point where they would play games together. They'd have cooking class <sighs> together. Like they tried everything. And the only barrier was one of them was in the medical industry. And so meeting in person was just not going to be feasible. Yeah. And after the six months, it kind of came to a head was like, okay, well, if we're not going to meet in person. This isn't going to proceed. So, but that was amazing. I love the fact that both of them were really willing to embrace the changes that were happening in, in, yeah. in our culture or community, global community and go with that. Um, the second would be um, one of my queer couples. Um, I have a family friend who identifies as queer and to get her, she wasn't going to sign up with me or anything. But when I took on this client and I just, I knew that there would be a kind of a, a match in that sense. They were locally, you know, within 45 minutes of each other. So that made it easy as well. Mm -hmm. But I was able to convince my family friend to join the service, come, become a part, see what it's all about. And while it didn't actually work out for them, it was a positive experience for both of them and just kind of reassuring that, hey, yeah. this is out here. We're here for yeah. you. I'm here to support you. 
lean on me. Um, that made me feel very proud as well. Yeah, totally. Like so much of a process like this, like maybe the shadi, like that's great. But like, if you learn something about yourself along the way, or it gets you like one step closer to being able to be in a relationship with someone, that's also a win. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I say single to shadi is a journey, right? You know, you can be anywhere on that journey. Um, and, and so a lot of times people ask me, well, what's your success rate? How many marriages do you have? And for right. us, it's not about marriage. It's about optimizing the search process, right? We make it easy and affordable to do that. So you're not wasting your time all day on apps, but two, just supporting you in your journey. So like right. you said, either discovering things about yourself, you didn't know, discovering things about what's important to you for your future that you might not have thought about and being there with you to hopefully find a partner in a better, that's going to be a better fit for you, however you find it. And, and what I'm hearing also is like, and what I'm realizing is self-esteem also is placed so much yes. into choosing a partner, the dating process, the evolution of yourself in the dating process. And so are you are, I'm hearing like seeing the transformation of people that yes. you're working with. I think with South Asians, we were so, you know, growing up, it, it's a little bit of that survivor mentality, being immigrants, mm -hmm. but a lot of it was like mm -hmm. head down focus until you're 22 don't talk to the opposite sex and then yeah. the second you graduate college is like okay why aren't you married yet uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> wow it's so true it's yeah. so true They're like bridging that now like okay mom well i did this for 22 years now i actually want to be successful in my career i want to yeah. be a badass and get to a vp level yeah. and be confident in who i am then I want to find a partner who supports me where I am, who's got the same goals and ambitions as me, and we have a future that we share. So just kind of getting all of that, those ducks in a row, is pushing out timelines, is changing perspectives and narratives. So um, I think it all goes to that education piece about, as mm -hmm. a community, how we're evolving, changing, and growing. And really focusing on what's most important or more meaningful outside of just lining up what's on paper and, and, and getting married. Yeah, totally. Okay, so you watch Family Karma. You love the show. So I want to get your perspective on some of our singletons or mm -hmm. the relationships we see on the show. Like, so let's start with Brian. <laughs> I just want to know what your take is on like the Brian, Monica Shaw relationship and, and do you how, think what we saw was Brian ready for a relationship i think he's ready for a relationship maybe not marriage just yet mm -hmm. because yeah. admittedly he said that monica shaw was his first south asian uh you know mm -hmm. girlfriend mm -hmm. and i get a lot of clients unfortunately where we were talking about passing on cultural children they say well i've been dating non-indians my whole life and now i want to marry an indian because i want to and so I think that he yeah. needs to take the time to understand not all Indians are the same, right? Not everybody's mm -hmm. going to be exactly like the Monica. So date around, figure out what you like. Um, but he is ready to be in a serious relationship. You can just tell he's like, he wants to commit. He just doesn't know what that looks like for mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Monica Shaw, I think is very, very smart and she approached everything. And after I heard your episode with her, it really opened my eyes because that was really the only window we got into her perspective. The show yeah. didn't highlight it no. at all. So I think that she's super smart. She approached it from with the right attitude and the right heart. She didn't come into it. Like, I know people said some really rude things about it, but that is not the way she was approaching it. She gave him the benefit of the doubt, tried to make, you know, like really wanted to make it work. It just, at the end of the day, there were different people in different places in their lives and it didn't yeah. work out and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of, at the end of the day, that is exactly what happened. Um, so I hear Anisha is in a relationship now. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Do you listen to her podcast ever? I sure do. <laughs> yeah. So y you've probably been following her journey. I think she is so interesting to kind of observe, mm -hmm. like both on the show, but mostly off of it. Like the things she talks about and how she's changed. Like it sounds like she had this like, checklist like mm -hmm. these are things and they were like it's like this person does not exist like <laughs> you know I mean she even brought up like the Forbes did she bring up it has yeah to be like Forbes yeah. top 20 or whatever it was like Anisha does this person exist and then yeah from what I've gleaned she's like now dating someone who is like not that and she's like kind of trying to like convince herself that it's okay like do you feel that too that's like oh, oh yes every time she brings up her relationship it's always like well it's not what i originally had wanted but it's working <laughs> 
So it's like she's trying to convince herself it's okay. Uh, it's funny that you mentioned that about Anisha because you guys also had on Lindsay from We Met at Acme and she lives and dies by her rules of dating that she's kind of like come up with. And so I think at the end of the day for both of them, rules and checklists and all of them, they're great for guidance. Even I use them mm -hmm. as a businesswoman, right? Mm -hmm. You need them as a guiding principle as long as it's in tune with what you want and who you are. But at the end of the day, you never know. You can be pleasantly surprised in any aspect of your life and relationships are no different. My only advice to Anisha would be like, enjoy it, right? Like we mm -hmm. get it, it's at the normal, but let's stop harping on that and let's stop harping on the good stuff and enjoy it. Yeah, totally. I'm so like, I think they're gonna, my guess is season three will start filming come 2022 mm -hmm. and they're going to like capture weddings and stuff like that. So I imagine Anisha will bring her relationship on screen and we'll get to like see who this mystery person is. But I'm just like, it's been fascinating to see how she's had to like let go of like these things that she was so sure about, which I'm like, that's gross to me, you know, because I think like you you do have to let go of some stuff too. And she's still working on it. <laughs> What I loved about this past season is that we saw her go on a couple of dates and yeah. you could see her make that mental calculus. Okay, he hit my checklist, but it didn't really work out. And you could see her go through that thought process to lead her. Hopefully, you know, that's how she got to where she is with her current relationship. Totally. And what do you make of it's so interesting because she also starts out in like the beginning of her podcast and before that being like, I don't believe in marriage. I think marriage is obsolete. Like, you know, blah, blah, blah. I didn't think I needed all these things to like complete 180. Like, I want to be married in less than two years. Like, I, this Those is like, eggs. Yeah, yeah, like, and I thought that was this. an amazing thing, like for everyone, yeah. women across the gamut to see um, her doing that on screen and sh letting us share that or share yeah. that process women, with I us. think it was amazing for men to see. Because yes. I get so many men who are like, you know, late 30s, early 40s who are like, oh, I want a woman under a certain age because I want to have children naturally. And I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? Wow. You want a woman who's killing it in her career, yeah. but, you know, at, but also a, a, at a certain age so you can have kids naturally. That also kind of gives you an understanding of where their mind is yeah. at around women in, in, in relationships. Um, so I think it's amazing that she did that. Amazing that she shared her story with the world and that it's becoming more common. I'm loving that corporations and companies are now paying yes. for women to do that. We all need a change, a cultural change around like children and that responsibility and who that burden should fall on. Yeah, and anyone who knows anyone who has either needed IVF or has chosen that route, like it's not an easy journey, you know? And right. it's like good for them, you know? Yeah. Like this is this is like, like what's wrong with that, <laughs> you know? And it's like, yeah. That's kind of disappointing that people, I mean, I'm not surprised that men are like, you know, under 30 or whatever. Yeah. That's yeah. like, whatever. Um, One other, so there was a lot of controversy, like I still see shitty comments on like our Instagram posts, like about Vishal and Richa and whether people being like, they shouldn't be together, yeah. blah, 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 They're blah, very blah, polarizing. blah. Like, I feel like I see it. I understand why they're together. Like, you know, they obviously have drama on the show, which I think was real in many ways. But like, I'm just interested to hear what your take is on their relationship. They love each other. They absolutely 100% love each other inside and out. Circumstances, I don't even think it's like the mom drama. I really think that Richa had some valid points about what she sees for her future together with Michelle and what she wants. And now he's finally meeting her there or trying to meet her there. Um, so that was like just internal struggle between the two of them and their relationship. Auntie drama didn't help, but I think at the end of the day, <laughs> fundamentally, they were still figuring out for themselves. There's nothing to do with the outside world, but they love each other. And I 100% agree it's gonna be a successful relationship whatever that looks like totally yeah i i love them together the more i see them on social media like partying together right. just out living their lives it's like these two have fun together and that That's, is like yeah. and relationships are up and down and it's about <laughs> communication i feel like at the end of the season like vishal realized like how important communication is and how you know like all of us we are hardwired when we come out of our household with our parents to approach relationships and life a certain way and sometimes or maybe even most of the time that doesn't work and you have to have these self discussions 
discovery periods. And we saw Vishal having that. Yeah. You notice all the aunties would say when they were talking about their love stories, like, oh, I met my husband and we got married right. the next day. Or, you know, so <laughs> yeah. those are a lot of the relationships that we have to model. That's all we've ever mm-hmm. known. I was lucky enough that my parents had a love marriage, if you will. Um, yeah. <laughs> but that's it, rare. That's actually amazing. I never hear that. <laughs> Yeah. So then to see like with this next generation, how they're going through their dating and relationships. I love that the older generation is supporting them mm-hmm. and then giving their gentle advice on like, maybe you have too many criteria. I never met your dad before we got married. You know, <laughs> some of that kind of auntiness you need in your life that's, that, you know, yeah. to help guide you. But it, I love it's refreshing to see that there's no pressure. There's no negative stuff coming from family. I think there's a good uh, role models are good things to put on TV for the broader community of America is watching. Radha, this has been like so much fun. We'll have Thank to have you, you back yes. to like analyze the family karma relationships oh boy, after yes. season three. Especially, I think we're going to have some weddings and maybe yes. a proposal or two. Um, so tell our listeners how they can find you and your service and just any information you want out there. Sure. So our website is singletoshadi.com and you can find us on all social medias at singletoshadi. If you want to email me personally, it's rada at singletoshadi.com. Thank you so much wow. for having me on, ladies. Oh my gosh, I thank you. I love your show. And I'm- <laughs> I'm excited I got to meet you. That's like amazing. I'm like, does anyone listen to this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because we see the numbers and the numbers are pretty high and we're like, huh? And then I asked like my sister, I'm like, do you listen? And she's like, no, you know, like... <laughs> Well, and I yeah. love that you're keeping it, you know, relevant and keeping it going throughout the year as well, you know, bringing in different tidbits. I love to see how you guys have grown in, in yeah. your podcast. Yeah, well. I know. It's so been much. such an amazing, like, journey of self-discovery for myself. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like so. Thanks to our listeners for being along with it. Thank you, Deanna, for like, thank you, allowing Intra, for allowing to... me to be a guest in the space. Absolutely. Um, Radha, you are great. Radha, we you're amazing. You. <laughs> and um, we hope that we hear, I, I'm going to be following your pages and seeing what you're up to for years to come. And as soon as I have some people to refer to you, I absolutely will. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. 